can't really sing. <laughs> la 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 Hello and welcome to the SBNY podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy and I am your host. This podcast is on iTunes and Google Play where you can find simply by searching Sportsblog New York Podcast or go to sportsblognewyork.com, click on the podcast tab, and any of those articles will lead you in the right direction. And if you do not know by now, our Twitter handle is at sportblognyc, which you can follow for updates on not just the podcast, but a ton of articles and, of course, always good content coming from our Twitter guy. He's here on the podcast tonight, so let me introduce him, co-founder of sportsblognewyork.com, Phil DeMeo. He actually uh, just had a little surgery of the mouth, yeah. a little wisdom tooth action. Three teeth taken out. So he's uh, he's feeling all right today. He's feeling... I'm actually not in pain. I don't know how, but just a hole in my mouth. I can't chew, but I'm here. Yeah, he's drink- He's eating power through. He's eating through a straw for the past couple days, and uh, it's actually ironic. I'm getting my wisdom teeth out this week, so you got yours out early in the week. Now I'm getting mine out. I'm here for you. We're struggling I'm either way, but we'll, we're going to keep grinding it out and uh, here to bring you some good content. On the bill for today... We have NBA awards, and great to have Phil in because he wrote an article on SportsBlogNewYork.com breaking down every award and making his picks. But now we're going to have Phil's picks, of course. We're going to have my picks for all the awards. We're going to hit on the all-NBA teams, all-rookie teams, rookie of the year, coach of the year, exec, defensive player of the year, six-man, most approved, everything. And, of course, we're going to save the best for last. It has been taking over the entire sports media from top to bottom, the MVP debate. There's a lot of different opinions going on. There's a lot of heated arguments going on. And I have a feeling we're going to get into some of those as well. But my next guest, he's been on the pod before plenty of times. You know him. You love him. Joe Calabrese, welcome to the pod again. Oh, they love me. I don't know. You love me. You really love me. I mean, I'm just speaking for the listener right now, but I feel like if they love anyone on the episode, it's going to be you. I, I appreciate that. Uh, thank you for having me again. This is great. We're going to we're gonna have a lot of fun today with this. But you know what they say about media people, right? What do they say about media people? They build you up just to tear you down. So uh, maybe I'm just getting in your head. I'm buttering you up early. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't butter me up. <laughs> well, anyway, without further ado, like I mentioned, we're going to get into that MVP debate later on because that's, that's the big one. Let's be real. That's the one everybody's talking about. It's the most exciting, probably the most exciting MVP race in a long time. I know in my lifetime, this is probably one of the most hyped up races. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Phil and Joe can agree with that statement there. But the unfortunate aspect is the NBA is making us wait this year. They're not announcing it mid-playoffs like they usually do. They're announcing it after the finals. I know that. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a weird thing, and they're doing it for the first time. And I have a feeling it might change because there's been a lot of negative publicity since that news announced. It's actually, it got announced kind of under the radar, which makes sense because doesn't feel like a good thing. Do they give reasoning? Their reasoning is they're going to do a whole show where they give the oh, awards like out. Like the NFL. Exactly. Okay. Like the NFL honors uh, ceremony, the NBA is looking to do something similar. But in a year where we have Harden, Westbrook, LeBron, Kawhi, if you're feeling frisky, all in this crazy race that's been talked about for months and months, we're going to have to wait. So I guess you can call us like the NBA. We're going to make you wait as well. But let's get into another exciting topic first to start it off. Let's get into our all-NBA teams because this is the first year. I don't know if you guys – have you guys heard the thing about, you know, if Paul George makes an NBA team, he gets an extra $40 million. Gordon, Gordon Hayward, the same deal. A couple other guys. Never heard that before. Yeah. Has that been a thing for a while? It's unfair for the media to put that pressure put on somebody. Yeah, I agree hundred media that. members that have pressure of somebody's future in Indiana because if he doesn't get it, you know, you know Paul George has been open and leaves LA for a while now. But now there's not a reason to actually leave Indiana. And not, Bill, not that t- that t- money on the table. And Bill Simmons, who did his mailbag podcast, got asked a question, with your vote, would you ever use it to help benefit your Boston he said, Celtics? Um, he said, um, bring your money along for Paul George. He said, pay me. Buy me dinner and I'll put you in the dirt team. Yeah, exactly. So he was joking. He said he, said he wouldn't actually do that. But it's really interesting. But anyway, let, let's get into it. So I think the first team, a couple guys are pretty easy to chalk up. So I'm going to make a statement. And we're going to, if we all agree, we're going to move on to that last spot. Russell Westbrook, James Harden, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard. One, two, three, four, all NBA first team. That's chalk. That is chalk right now, absolutely. That's all four one can you, seeds. Can you make it a, um, an argument for not Kawhi? Because I need to argue, uh, obviously, chalk. 
I think if Kevin Durant didn't get injured, Kevin Durant is a definite, very strong argument to go ahead of Kawhi. But Kawhi was here all year, grinding Corey out. said before we started the podcast that Kawhi is better than Durant, so I think he disagrees with you. Well, yeah, I, I made this point before, and I'm going to stick by it right now. Well, I, I think for this year, it's I easy think Kawhi to has Kawhi. a very good argument that he's the second best player in the world right now. It's no joke. Wow. And that's something we're going to get into for sure. Yeah. With uh, the MVP talk, a little bit of the other stuff going on. But so it's chalk. It's all four one seeds in the tournament. Right. Westbrook, Harden, LeBron, Kawhi. One, two, three, four. Correct. Where it gets interesting is that fifth spot for the all NBA team. Mm-hmm. So, Phil, your article is up on sportsblognewyork.com, like I mentioned before. So, who's your pick? Well, it really goes down. It really it's going to be a domino effect moving forward from one, two, three team. Um, if you consider Anthony Davis a center, I think he's the best center in the league right now. If you don't, you think he's a forward, is it your boy Gobert? Is it Boogie? It really depends because Davis played 65% of his time at center before Boogie came along. Now, when Boogie came along, you know, obviously they played kind of interchangeable the, the forward and center spot. So it's going to be a very interesting, like, where Anthony Davis goes. Because that affects Carl Anthony Towns. That affects Gobert. That affects Cousins. And that affects Paul George because Davis is a forward that takes a forward spot just down the line of where who's going to be forward to be a center. So who's your pick? Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis in the Anthony first. Anthony Davis. There we go. Joe, Joe Cal, too. So both of you are saying it's going to be for your first team, Westbrook, Harden, LeBron, Kawhi, and Anthony Davis rounding it out. I disagree. Oh, you disagree? I disagree. Point, uh, counterpoint. Let me hear it. Point, counterpoint. Um, first off, uh, we're getting into this, this weird era where power forwards and centers are kind of blended now. That's just a new... That's a new uh, way that the league is going. It's a small league. It's a very offensive-oriented league. These guys can go outside and play inside. You can look at guys like Al Horford, LaMarcus Aldridge, and Kevin Love. We've, we've seen it over the last six, seven years. They, they just play a blended type of frontcourt position, and Anthony Davis is very much the same. He's probably better off as a power forward because he gets to, to be a little more rangy. He gets to block some shots, get some mismatches. But uh, for my first team, I, I got a guy who's been – Quite under the radar since he entered the league, and now that Quinn Snyder has gotten the most out of the talent on that very, very underrated Utah Jazz team, my choice for that final spot on the the All-NBA first team is Rudy Gobert. And I believe that he should have been an All-Star. I believe he was the biggest All-Star snub at the time, and I said this back then. I don't think this is documented on any podcast but word of mouth, you could ask my friends. I said the same thing. I think he's quietly been the second best center in the league the entire season. Uh, from a pure talent perspective, obviously I believe Boogie's one, but I believe Gobert is two. And I believe his ability to change the game and affect the game is a monumental reason why the Jazz were able to jump and become a 50-win team in the Western Conference. That is no, you, you know, that is, that is not an easy feat. They leaped Memphis, they leaped the Clippers, they well, leaped well, the Thunder. Actually, I mean, don't get me wrong, the Thunder lost. They're, they're tied know. with the Clippers right now. They have the same record. But, yes, keep keep going. I like where your head's at right now. <laughs> Unless you want me to jump in. I, well, I this is, this is down to the last this last game. The uh, Whoever. I mean, if it's the Clippers and the Jazz and the tie, do the, Clip, the Clippers get the four? Yes. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I apologize. I thought that the Jazz still had a one-game lead. That's my fault. But, but like I said, I think... Gobert is right now more so the reason. I mean, Gordon Hayward was the all-star representative from that team this year. But I think what Gobert does, both offensively, defensively, on the glass, his his all-around game is just superb. And they're, they're, he's basically the reason why I think they were able to jump and become a 50-win team. And like I said before, even though they didn't technically jump the Clippers, right now they're on that tier. So, so uh, you're rounding out your first team of Rudy Gobert. Yes, I'm a big Gobert guy. I actually tend to agree with you there. Rudy Gobert should have been an all-star. Rudy Gobert affects the game in so many ways on the defensive end, and he has become a better and better offensive player throughout this entire year and throughout his entire career. The Utah Jazz, when you think of them right now, what are they known for? Defense. The Utah Jazz, where are they sitting right now? 50 wins. They only give up 96 points a game. That is the lowest in the NBA by far. That is a stat. The only other team that gives up less than 100 points per game is the Spurs. So that tells me two things. The Jazz play at their pace 
And the second thing is Rudy Gobert sets that pace. Because they move the ball a lot on offense, and he fits in fine. He can finish around the rim better than he has before. His free throw percentage is up. But defensively, that man is a savage. He blocks shots left and right. He not only just blocks shots, he changes shots. People don't even want to try to go near him on the floor. And it goes such a long way. He is a true rim protector in a league where there aren't that many rim protectors anymore. Exactly. And you were gonna you said the thing about it's an offensive league, right? Well, the Jazz have a guy who slowed down said offensive league and hold opposing teams to under 100 points about 96 or 97 a night. Right. And that's why Rudy Gobert is in my first team. Now, don't get me wrong. His offensive stats aren't the sexiest, but they're good. They're still good enough. Rudy, they're from his Rudy position. Gobert has 46 more blocks than Anthony Davis. 46 that's, more. Yes. But um, I have a question for you. If the set, see, I think the forward-forward guard-guard center lineup is archaic for his NBA old team. Two, a couple years ago, the All-Star game went to just three front men, two, big, two backcourt. Two guys, three forwards. Basically. So I think maybe next year, very soon, they have to dish the, the five slots and choose to three front court, two backcourt. Saying that, building off that, if that was the lineup, the format, I should say, is Rudy Gobert in that five? And I, so is he still in the first team if the center position that doesn't have to be filled? I think yes, because I think that next guy is still Anthony Davis. I think the only other people who are close there are Giannis and Durant, yep. and I put um, Gobert ahead of them on the first team. Definitely ahead of Giannis, no matter what, okay. and ahead of Durant only because because he missed a, a, a good handful of games. Um, but that's a really good point. And, you know, if Kevin Durant was healthy all year, I would say Gobert probably catches the boot there. But I'm putting Gobert ahead of Anthony Davis for this year. Because I, I, I do value leading your teams to more wins. Mm-hmm. And I think Rudy Gobert did a phenomenal job being such a huge part of the Jazz's successful season. I did think it was nice to see Anthony Davis play a full season, basically. He had 28 points per game, fourth in the NBA. It's hard to just move by past that. Because I, I think Anthony Davis is a phenomenal player. Oh, he's phenomenal. He's in a terrible situation in New Orleans. They finally got boogie, but we said it off, cam- off podcast. That had to work out for him a lot. So I, I would reward Anthony Davis for finally seeing what he could do in the league. I think he's the best center in the league. I, I agree. But, you know, the interesting thing is, and that's why I'm glad you brought that up. So you go to ESPN and you try to start ranking by position when you're looking at stats. You know, Anthony Davis yeah. is, is put as a power forward. Hey, Boogie's a power forward. You too. could look at another. Yeah, exactly. Boogie's listed as a power forward. You could look at, I don't know if this is exactly true, but I've looked at other sites and they have it a little different. I mean, Nikola Jokic is, is a power forward on ESPN, but on NBA.com, he might be a center. Yep. So it really is wishy-washy, and I think you can fix it by either – you know, giving them dual citizenship, if you want to call yeah. it that. Like, do all-star format. Just do do it like 2K. Power forward slash center. Yeah. Or center slash power forward. It's archaic. You know? It really is. It's a shame because as a, all, everyone grew up watching basketball. Who's the, who's the center? Exactly. Who's the biggest guy in the court? now, NBA term, it's, it's archaic. And also, it comes down to, your position often comes down to who you defend. It's like Porzingis. Yeah. So, Porzingis, you know, in New York. depending on who's like what guarding. I said before. I mean, you could basically abolish the center position and... Maybe not necessarily give it like a third like front court position. I mean, if you want to do like two forwards and just a true like front court like glass player, I guess you could say. I mean, I don't know how else to describe it. Glass cleaner. Okay. Yeah, just more into two K terms. I love it. It's like the glass cleaner and a th- who shoots threes. All right, That's- so let, let's uh, let's run through the second and third team. Um, shout out some people. Just really, you know, highlight people mm-hmm. who deserve the second and third team who had really good years. Um, so, personally, I have Curry, Wall, Giannis, Durant, and Anthony Davis on my second team. I think Joe Cal. I have the same thing. Same exact thing? The same exact thing, yeah. Right, same thing, obviously, I have Gobert second. But I think, for me, for the second and third team, you could interchange Curry, Wall, um, Isaiah Thomas, and DeMar DeRozan. Those four go each two spots. If you say Isaiah Thomas, DeRozan, and second team, I really don't argue for it. It's, it's really preference. It's really Curry. Got a lot of like, you know, way at the top for so long. Like um, Steve Oscar said, his old teammate, people nag you. Jackson with twenty five points a game. He didn't stop with Kevin Durant. When, he got well, better. When he got Kevin better. Got hurt. John Wall. I'm rewarding him because he got the Wizards the best season to seventy nine first division title. He finally put it all together. It's very nice to see. Of course, the third team. Thomas, you know, amazing stats he's putting up. And the Rosen too is third, third. They're both third and fifth in scoring in the NBA. So I can make you can make the case for it. Personally, for me, I have Curry and Wall at second team. 
Okay, yeah, and so do I. So let's let's jump to the Durkin. the more debate spot here, right? Durkin. So we're gonna chalk up Curry Wall, Giannis Durant, Davis. We're gonna also Davis and Gobert for a second. Exactly. We're also gonna chalk up Isaiah Thomas, Demar Derozan. These last three spots, mm-hmm. two forward spots and one center spot for the third team is where it gets a little iffy and where a lot of money comes into play. So I mentioned before <laughs> that, for example, if Paul George makes even the All NBA third team. He gets about $40 million more million in his next contract. That is a lot of money riding on an all-NBA third team. So it is actually really important whether we want to think that or not. So without further ado, Joe Cal, I'm going to go to you first. Yeah. You got two forward spots and a center spot on your third team. Right. How are you filling it out? I got Jimmy Butler. I have Paul George. And I have Nikolai Yo, uh, what, how do you pronounce it? Jokic, the Joker. Jokic. The Joker. Jokic. Jokic. Do you want to give any reasoning behind that, or you're just going to just drop a bomb on us and leave? <laughs> I don't think that's really that much of a bomb. <laughs> no, it's not that much of a bomb. Um, but get, what I will say about this defend is... Defend your Jokic. Yeah, I was going to say before, I, uh, I'm a big Boogie guy, and I believe Boogie is the most talented center in the league. I believe... From a pure talent perspective, overall, he's maybe possibly top six, seven, eight player. Um, But he's the kind of player who has been accumulating empty stats now for a long time. And, I mean, I think he's finally in a good situation in New Orleans. And next year is the year we get to see just how this works out. I think the, the, the jump that the Joker took this year is primarily a reason why Denver was involved in the playoff race right until the last week of the season. I think he's a difference maker. He's slowly turning into a triple-double machine. Uh, he's an all-around type of talent. He's a good passer. He's a good rebounder. He also is another player who blocks shots. You know how much I love guys who block shots like Gobert. So I looked at him, and I looked at the impact he had on that Denver team, and he has emerged now as a true perennial all-star candidate. And not to spoil anything later, but uh, his name is going to be coming up for me later in this podcast. Very interesting. I love I love Jokic. If you watch that guy play, his passing is so impressive for a big man. It's unbelievable. If you're a guy, it's who, so smooth. If you follow it's those amazing. NBA accounts on Instagram, whether it's like House of Highlights or Bleacher Report or any of those things, you have seen a number of this guy's passes. No look alley oops over his head. Uh, just ridiculous passes to. A really young and fun Denver Nuggets team, and he is the best player on that team. So I really respect he that. He really benefits off in um, social media. Oh yeah, I have to say it's really the reason why I have him on the list. Yeah. Oh, you have him as well. I got to my list. I have Jimmy Butler. I need Jimmy Butler across the board to be in a forward spot no matter what. Mm-hmm. Then I have Jokic and I have Cousins. I'm, you can't have okay. the boogie his, his spot. He's twenty-seven points per game. He scored more than LeBron, more than Curry. Yeah, a lot, a lot of shit happened this year. I think he's he's probably the best in the league. So to put him on dirt spot, you know, kind of given. I, I like that. I like where your head's at right there. I'm going a little different. So I have Jimmy Butler as well, so I guess we can say Jimmy Butler's chalk uh, just with DeRozan, IT, all those guys. Right. I have, and I don't love this pick, but this is a pick where I don't think, like, it's not my pick. I'm trying to predict how they're going to vote. Okay. So I have Draymond Green on the third team. Okay. fair. And I have Carl Anthony Towns on the third team. Okay. I mean, on, as a center spot on that third team. And my reasoning for Carl Anthony Towns is easy. He's breaking the record for most points in Timberwolves, a Timberwolves single season. This guy is in his second season. Yeah. He's about to score the most points in Minnesota Timberwolves history for a single season. It's really not much of a historic feat. only beat one guy. Kevin Garnett, but still, Kevin Garnett's MVP season, right? Carlton Towns, 25 points, 12 rebounds, just under three assists, over a block a game, 60 double-doubles. That is a model of consistency for a 21-year-old. And the, literally, uh, let's call out Michael Jordan real quick. The ceiling is the goddamn roof yeah. for Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah. I love watching him play. His energy is ridiculous. He barks at his teammates. He's intense. I love I love it. And I think he's going to get a nod. I think he's going to catch catch the All-NBA third team. I made, like a, I made an honorable mention team. I put him on it. My honorable mention team was Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, Clay Thompson, Paul George, and Carl Anthony Towns. Those are, those are the next like five for me. Can you Wait, I'm, I'm going to read that list again. So you you had your honorable mention team. Just think about just hear these names, people. Hear these names and think about them not making an All NBA team. Devin Booker, kind of understandable, but the guy's going to be a stud. Bradley Beal, phenomenal season. Clay Thompson, not on an All NBA team. Paul George, not on an All NBA team. Over 20, 24 points, five rebounds, stud. 
and Carl Anthony Towns, or if you want to throw out Jokic or Draymond Green, if they don't make it, those are true NBA studs. You know who studs. you're missing, right? Damian Lillard is not on the team either. I was and, gonna say Kyrie's not on the team. And McCall and McCall. It's like crazy. It's, it's, Kyrie Irving is not uh, anywhere in the discussion. You don't even come to my dick. It's like it's a it's a numbers game. So I would it's put Kyrie a numbers I, game when he slots. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's only six cards to choose from, six forwards to choose from. It's unfortunate, but. That's how it goes. That's how it works. Kyrie and Kevin Love didn't even get you know brought up in our minds. Damian Lillard didn't even get brought up in our mind. It is really interesting, but uh, let's Lillard see. Let's see how it goes. Award, right? He didn't make it all this year, right? Yeah, Lillard? he's consistently no. underappreciated. He gets snubbed all day, every day. He does. Yeah. But what are you gonna do? Mm-hmm. Let's move on because we've been spending a lot of time on the All NBA teams, but it's all good. We got some more stuff to cover, and we're gonna keep bringing the fire because this is the Sports Blog New York podcast. If you have not done so yet, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and Google Play. And if you like what you've been hearing, leave a little rating and a review. It takes just, you know, 10 seconds, 30 seconds, a minute if you're feeling frisky, want to give a little bit longer of a review. But we appreciate literally all of our listeners. Uh, this is the Sports Blog New York podcast. And we obviously have a strong base of listeners in New York. But our listeners do stretch across the nation. And as you've heard, if you listen to the past two episodes, we have a little following in Ireland as of late, too. So shout out to everybody who's listening to the Sports Blog New York podcast. And if you really do like it, please leave a rating and review on iTunes and Google Play. Because we got listeners out in Cali, a little bit in Texas, Virginia. <laughs> We're stretching out. We're, the, we We're an the- international uh, blog, too. Of course. An international blog and podcast. We got listeners in Ireland. We got the New York base, but we're stretching out. We're, we're touching people all over the place. Echo in here, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm Peter Kenny. I'm joined here with Joe Calabrese and Phil DeMeo. Let's move on to the all-rookie team. Let's go a little quicker through yeah. the rookie teams. Sure. Actually, let's just go to rookie of the year first, and okay. then we'll talk about some of the rookies that I we like. Demand. I think just the uh, elephant in the room with Joel Embiid. I don't think if any other player in the league played 31 games, he would not be qualified. What do you mean think about for an award? So I'm giving the same exact reason why Joel Embiid is not rookie of the year. He played too many. He played 31 games. It's not even close to having enough to be awarded any award. I definitely agree with you. It hurts for me to say it. He only played 31 games. He was so much fun to watch. He has every skill you can possibly imagine for a seven footer. It was amazing. It was impressive. It's so sad that he got hurt again. Let's just hope he's back next year. But Phil, I completely agree with you. 31 games is just not enough to be considered for awards. And if you disagree with us, I'm I, I'm sorry. I guess we can agree to disagree. I don't think the voters are going to give him a chance because um, of 31 games. We'll say in Philadelphia, though. If he played half the games, if he played 45 games, it would be a lot different. 31, though, you it's just you not going to work. You got to 55 yeah. awards. Well, we'll say in Philadelphia, I think Darius Hodge could, uh, should win it. He's leading, besides Embiid, leads of all rookies and points in rebounds. So I think... I mean, choice is pretty easy. And, you know, once Embiid went down, if you watch Sarge play, his game only expanded from that point on. He was shooting the three better. He was facilitating. The guy's a pretty good passer. He's an athlete. And when Dario Sarge was drafted, what, three years ago now, mm-hmm. what people called him, you know, really idealistic people called him uh, European Kevin Durant, right? Because he's tall, he can shoot, he can do a little bit of everything. Granted, we know he's not going to be Kevin Durant caliber. This guy is talented. We're going to be hearing his name for the next couple of years, especially if the process continues to work out and Ben Simmons, Embiid, and Sarge can play together. I heard, I read the other day that Ben Simmons grew like two inches. So he's like a 6'10 point guard. That is absurd. Yeah. I can't wait for Ben Simmons to play. I hope he's good. I've been really high on him. And if he's a bust, I'm going to look like a fool because yeah. I've been telling people it's gonna be fun. to get on the train. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's things that they're in the same division as the Knicks. Yeah. But there's really no rivalry with the Knicks, I would say. It's not like, boy, it's like. Phillies and Mets or Phillies Eagles or... 100%. Nowhere near Boston rivalry. So, like, you kind of feel, like, ugly rooting. Like, I feel bad. I'm bad. I feel guilty rooting for the uh, 76ers. I agree. But, but, but we're Knicks fans, so we have nothing to, like, lean on. They're also just a fun young team yeah. with some of their guys. When Embiid is on the floor, you got to root for Embiid. Who doesn't love the process? Ben Simmons is going to be the same thing. So, you have Dario Saric. I also have Dario Saric. I think it was really tough... For me, because I really appreciated what Malcolm Brogdon did mm-hmm. in Milwaukee. This guy is a second-round pick, came into a team that wanted to be a playoff team, and they ended up being a playoff team. He switched positions. He wasn't a point guard in college. He switched to play point guard for the Milwaukee Bucks. Granted, Giannis takes some pressure off him. His nickname was literally the president, Mr. President. That was what he earned because of his work ethic. 
because of what he did for that team, how in control he was as a rookie. So shout-out to Malcolm Brogdon. He's going to be the second-place runner-up if he doesn't actually snag it from Sarich, but a good race out of those two rooks. You never asked me who I picked as like, the rookie of the year. That was my pause. I was waiting for you to jump in. Okay. I thought you were going to formally ask me. Oh, you want me to formally ask you? Yes. All right, so Phil and I are on Dario Saric. Right. Uh, and you're wrong. Malcolm Brogdon's a close second. And you're wrong because it's Joel Embiid. <laughs> what? I don't care how many games he played. I, we played 10 games. I, we, we okay, maybe there. 10 games. Yeah. I think I think the sample size with him was enough. I said this on a previous podcast. When I watched Embiid, it was quality over quantity. And when you compare the quality minutes that he played, even though he played in X amount of games... I just think it was it's it's so it's night and day. It's such a stark contrast between him and even the the the, the guy who's going to end up winning the award on his own team. I think Sarge is going to win the award, but I think yeah. it should be Embiid. I, I I see what you're saying. Right. All right. So is that fair? I think there's a lot of people who agree with you. Okay. Good. <laughs> I'll give you. I'm that. a huge Embiid guy. All right. I, I really I really don't like want him to get hurt again. I want him to stay healthy. And that's this is coming. He's a freak. This is coming in a good way from three Knicks fans. So if you've ever listened to this podcast and say these biased New Yorkers, this is three Knicks fans rooting for Joel Embiid, rooting for the Sixers a little bit. So take that for what it's worth. But let's uh, move quickly through the rookies of the year and the all rookie team because we're running a little long. Yeah, and we are. There's some big topics we have to get to. We're gonna get into. So I'm just running through: Malcolm Brogdon, Jamal Murray, Darius Harge, Brandon Ingram, Billy Hernan Gomez, second team: Yogi Ferrell, uh, Buddy Hyde. Jalen Brown, Marquise Chris, and I'm going to put Joel Embiid on the second team. Just so when we look back in history, Joel Embiid was an impactful rookie. And there's really no other back, back center to put on there. I agree. I'll, I'll, give, him, I'll give him some award. I think did. it's almost an insult to put him on the second team. It's an insult. I'm, I'm keeping him off all my teams. I'm throwing Zubats or DeMontis Sabonis. Okay. Zubats is out on the, on the Lakers. DeMontis Sabonis is on a playoff team with the Thunder. He actually plays about 20 minutes a game. Decent rebounder, decent shooter. I'm throwing it to him, and I'm shouting out Jalen Brown. Solid player for possibly one seed on the Boston Celtics. Yep. Willie Hernan Gomez, our Knicks guy, gotta love him. And watch out for Marquise Chris because that guy has crazy hops. And he's had an okay, solid rookie year. And great story for Yogi Ferrell. Yeah. Where he came from. Right. Gotta I don't know what Yogi. these these athletes mean for contract-wise. I'm sure they get an incentive. So maybe it would mean something to be to be second team all-rookie. But, you know, I'll give, I'll give him that. All right. Um, my all-rookie picks were... Putting Embiid's game limit in mind. So I went uh, Brogdon, Heald, Sarge, Ernan Gomez, and Brandon Ingram. I think Brandon Ingram was very underrated this year. Uh, this year. And my second team is Yogi Ferrell, Jamal Murray, Marquise Chris, Jalen Brown, and Devonta Sabonis. Nice. I mean, I think Jalen Brown deserves it. Ferrell, obviously. And Sabonis is a good pick. All right, let's move on. Uh, so let's talk quickly. Again, we're, we got to keep moving because we got to get into this MVP talk. We do. That thing's huge. So let's go a minute or two. Who's your coach of year? My coach of year is Mike D'Antoni. I feel like he really changed the culture, from, especially James Harden. James Harden was kind of one-dimensional scoring guard who got, who got shit off and not playing defense. One year later under D'Antoni, he's in Steve Nashroll. He's leading the league in assists. He's looking out for his players. He's making everyone in his team better. He's scoring almost 30 a game. Mike D'Antoni changed the culture in Houston. Houston. I believe he is coach of the year. Maybe a little foreshadowing there for Phil. I don't know. Maybe. But we'll get into it. I think I'm going to get to my runner-ups real quick. I think Scott Brooks and Greg Popovich could very well win the award. As I said previously, the Wizards had the best record since 1979. They won the division first time since then. The Wizards were playing wonderful basketball. Like Scott Brooks, again, changed the culture in Washington. And for Greg Popovich, you know. He's like LeBron James. Yeah, he has the expectations. You know, 60 wins a year. But he really only did it this year with one All-Star. Yeah. So, Pop won every year, Belichick won every year, LeBron won MVP every year. Yeah. Just simply the best at their position, but I'm going to give you that, Tony. I feel that. And I uh, I tend to agree. I'm going to shout out, before I make my pick, I'm going to shout out Quinn Snyder. Because <laughs> these Jazz have been on the come up for, um, if you guys don't know this, I am like a closet Jazz fan. I'm a Knicks fan, but I love the Jazz. Quinn Snyder and the Jazz been on the come up for a while now, if you ask me. They finally came to fruition this year and made the playoffs, and I'm proud of them. Quinn Snyder, great job. Great defensive team, but I'm going Dan Tony as well. He gets a lot of flack um, from his past jobs. You know, the Knicks didn't work out. The Lakers didn't work out. Suns worked out for a while, but then it fizzled out. Dan Tony always had a mindset. Shoot more threes. Get a lot of shots up. Move the ball. Move it a lot. Move it quickly. And run and gun. 
he now has statistical backup and front office backup from Daryl Morey in Houston. They told him, Coach Mike D'Antoni, you are not crazy. Threes are efficient. Free throws are efficient. Keep doing that. He moved James Harden to point guard. Phenomenal move. Mike D'Antoni is going to win Coach of the Year. I think it should be Scott Brooks, and I'll tell you why. Uh, the Wizards started 7-13. and 13. They were coming out of the gate not hot. Not hot at all. And when you watch the way this Wizards team started playing as the season progressed, uh, Wallen have a very good start. Bielden have a very good start. They both got going fairly quickly after that bad start. You could attribute that all to Scott Brooks. Uh, Otto Porter Jr. has become a very good starting player in the NBA. He Dude's going to get paid. I'm not surprised he, either. I used to be in Brooklyn. As of right now, he's, I would say he's the optimal glue starter. Uh, probably the, the the best optimal glue starter in like the Eastern Conference. You know, you know. Of course, you know what I'm referring to. I mean, he's like the guy who's like a swing player. Like he could score 15 to 20 on a given night, but that's not really necessarily his role. Knock he's down, a, catch and shoot. Knock down, catch and shoot. Three he's and excellent, eight. excellent from the corner. Good corner shooter. Can defend. Uh, does all the little things you need. Uh, reminds me a lot of Harrison Barnes with the Warriors a couple of years ago, and. I like Phil's point. I believe he's going to get paid, and I do believe he's going to be a Brooklyn net. Yeah. He he's he's going to get paid. It's going to be a little overwhelming for him to be the guy. Right. But they're going to see a building block. It, didn't, build it didn't work horribly for Harrison Barnes. Well, everybody on. forgets Otto Porter Jr. was the, thir- the third selection yeah, in a bad draft. Yeah. That had Anthony Bennett up top. Ugh. Wow. The next two picks were Victor Oladipo and Otto Porter Jr., so when you look back at that draft, it's like, eh, we're not going to get an all-star, but we're going to get some some good, solid NBA starters out of that. Oh, so, yeah. Frankie sure. News, I don't want you to comment, but Matt, Matt Harvey is a tight left hamstring. Ugh. Oh, boy. Water is wet, Matt Harvey is hurt. Water is wet, the Mets <laughs> pitching staff. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, defensive player of the year. You make me sad about that. <laughs> All right. Um, let's do six-man real quick. Okay. And then do and then do most improved and then do defensive player because okay. I think that's that's leaving it in the order from most least exciting to most exciting with okay. MVP at the end. So let's do six man of the year. Mine's Ever Gordon. He's six man all year for Houston. Lou Williams kind of came in that stole his spot, but they shared a spot now. Ever Gordon's been doing it all year. Best best year of his. I think his career. Oh yeah, I agree with that. So again, um, shout out to Mac D'Antoni getting the best out of him. James Harden gave him the opportunity. Second leading scorer in Houston. I think it's Ever Gordon hands down. I think Eric Gordon is going to get the nod because he kind of just deserves the shout. Yeah. A guy who has had so much talent for a long it's time. A, it's a feel-good story. Feel-good story. Never really made it in the league because of injuries. Now has been healthy for a full year and has showed that he can ball out. Eric Gordon. Joe Cal. I agree with Eric Gordon right across we're, the board. We're chalk on that one. Yeah. I think, on to the next. <laughs> yeah, on to the next. <laughs> All right. This one is an interesting one because I think the way people look at it can be a little convoluted sometimes because – most improved player, when you hear it from scratch, the word by itself, you think, all right, who wasn't really that good and then you know became really good? Mm-hmm. A lot of people are saying, and I'll say it right away, Giannis Antetokounmpo was the most improved player. He's my pick. But didn't everybody see this last year? So how improved is he that now he just got the keys to the kingdom instead of him just being more, not he wasn't a role player, but he wasn't the guy, the go-to yeah. guy day in, day out. For the Bucks because he just wasn't you know mature enough yet. Now he's mature enough. Who's to say he really improved rather than just filling his role, I right? So the actual the actual award can be a little confusing. But Giannis Tenacupo is a pretty easy pick. Is that who your pick is? It is my pick. For you to say that, how many players in NBA history had the same the one year? Oh, he's ready to take that next leap. He's ready to take that next leap, and they don't. He took that next leap. He's leading the Bucks in every single category: points, assists, rebounds, blocks, steals. No, something else. I'm missing one. There's no, six that's, all, that's all of them. That's all of them? He is leading every single one of them. So, for like, I just say, you say, oh, everyone started coming, but not not this much, not this quickly. Mm. That's why he's my most improved player. My, my runner up is Evan Booker. But from 13 points a game to 22 points a game, he scored 70 points this year. The guy, the guy can flat out shoot and score. But for me, Giannis is my, my guy. I like the pick, and I mean, I think he's going to be the, the pick, easy money. Mm-hmm. But the guy who I want to shout out, James Johnson. Miami Heat. Yeah. This guy was at one point, you know, overweight in the league. He was a decent shooter, okay rebounder, just so nothing special. And he has now helped the Miami Heat 
make a serious playoff push after starting 10-30 and 30 to start off the year. How now, about your boy Gobert? Gobert? No, he was just as good. He was really good last year. Okay. He, was, he was too good last year to be in the running for... Any Jazz players come to mind? They're the, one of the, team that, they're the most improved team. I would, I, would, I would think about Rodney Hood, but I just don't think it's enough. Yeah. Because um, his points are still sitting around 13. Mm-hmm. I think the guy, I think Nikola Jokic is a guy who can be in this conversation. Yeah, definitely. He's my pick. Oh, t- yeah. He's your pick? I'm a joker. Why are you going Jokic over, <laughs> over Giannis? Giannis. Uh, I think a lot of people knew that Giannis was capable of this. Is it Giannis or Giannis? It's Giannis. Yeah, it's Giannis. And just to prove that I can, Antetokounmpo. Antetokounmpo. We could say that. We can't say this first. <laughs> Greek freak. Greek freak. Um, I think most people expected this after his, his rookie season. It seems like he's on the trajectory that he's supposed to be on. Whereas I think in Joker's case, nobody really saw this coming. I mean, he's, like I said before, as I alluded to earlier in the podcast, he went from being a, I don't know, would you even call him a backup? He was a, he was a backup. He got some time last year. You saw a little bit, but you didn't he's see been, this. No, you didn't see this. He was a late this. second round pick. He went from a rotational, experimental, backup big to a perennial all-star candidate. And it had the Nuggets would have made the playoffs, I think this would have been an easier decision. But unfortunately, they fell short. The Blazers took that last spot. So I just think when you look at his overall body of work, to make that kind of jump, that's what I think the most improved players award truly epitomizes. It is the, that kind of player who makes that kind of leap. It's not the, the good borderline all-star caliber player who goes from that to starting in the All-Star game. You, you know what I'm saying? Of course. Yeah. It, it, it's all preference, really, for this award. Yeah. It's really it's, how you... There's no definition. There's no defense player. There's no six-man. There's no coach either. This is really preference. Right. Exactly. Whereas exactly. I think Giannis took, like, a leap and a half. I think Joker took, like, five leaps. Joker started in the basement. And yeah. And Giannis started on the fifth floor and went to the tenth floor. Yeah. Right. Something like that. That, yeah. uh, that analogy, I don't know if it's exactly sound, but it makes so much sense. Yeah. Uh, it's it's top a, of dome. I can really explain it. Like, yeah. Giannis went from like t- like Trump Giannis. Tower, <laughs> t- like top of a skyscraper, from like it was like the 30th floor. Like Joe wasn't even in the building. Right. He <laughs> he was like the janitor. Yeah. So if you, I mean, and uh, I'm going to bring up James Johnson's stat real quick, just because I don't think he's going <laughs> to win the award. I just think you guys need to know what this man did last year. He only got 16 minutes a game. He averaged five points, two rebounds, and an assist. This year, getting 27 <laughs> minutes a game. 13 points, 5 rebounds, over 3 assists, a block, and a steal a game. If you watched any Heat games, especially once Deion Waiters got hurt, even when he was playing good, it was James Johnson running running the show, being the guy down the stretch for the Heat, who were you know, 29 and 11 in their last 40 games. He, he really put in a good second half of the season, and just shout out to him uh, for a good run. Hot take, I think Giannis wins MVP sooner than later. Sooner than later. Woo! That's a good one. This I like is, that one. Uh, one last thing before we move on to Defensive Player of the Year and then get into MVP, because that's the big one. That's the big dog. We're going to get like 20 minutes on that. Yeah. Spend like two more minutes on Defensive Player of the Year. Giannis is a guy who in the beginning of the season, everybody picked to have that breakout year. And that's what the difference between Joe and Phil is. Everyone picked Giannis to have a breakout year. No one picked Jokic. Well, I mean, actually a few people did pick Jokic. But no one really thought Jokic was going to become what he has. So that's the difference, but we'll see how it plays out. Just for me, like how many players do... Preseason and get picked. Oh, he, this is a year for him. It doesn't work out. That's true. Gian, Giannis, ha- Bradley Beal. That, yeah, Bradley Beal had year. three seasons three of that. Season, yeah. But this is the Sports Blog New York podcast. I'm Peter Kennedy, joined here with Joe Calabrese and Phil DeMeo. We have two more big topics to take on right now. The next one is Defensive Player of the Year, and the last one, of course, is NBA MVP. But if you have not done so yet, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. You can do that on iTunes or Google Play by searching Sports Blog New York podcast. Or going to the podcast tab on sportsblognewyork.com, clicking on any article, and that will lead you in the right direction. Defensive player of the year. I, you can take the ring on this one, but I'll, my pick is very easily Kawhi Leonard. Best defense player in the league. I'm not a stat guy with defense like you. I just come to mind when he blocked James Harden and hit the shot. I mean, that's, you, can't, you can't put a, a number on that. <laughs> Joe Cal, what do you got? Uh, 
you know, I'm a big Kawhi guy, but continuing with the theme of the podcast, I'm going to go with Colbert. Hey! Yeah, right? I really did not see that coming. Yeah. I sincerely thought you were going to pick Kawhi. Yeah. I, uh... Did you flop on me, or did you just... No, I, time? I, th- I think they're one and two. I think they're one and two, and Draymond is three. Really? You yeah. know what? All right, are you done? Because I have a point about the Draymond thing. Go ahead. Draymond has been campaigning for right. defensive player. He never won, right? Year. He never won. No, he's never won it. Kawhi won two years in a row? Yes. Yes. And Dwight Howard is the only person to ever win three in a row, by the way. Draymond Green has been campaigning since it seems like the first week of the season for defensive player of the year. He basically did like the opposite of Westbrook and said, oh, I don't really care if I score two points or 20 points. I'm going to be a defensive workhorse and I'm going to just do every little thing possible to win defensive player of the year. That's the only reason why I think people have him number one on their list because they, he's, he's, been, he's been in their face about it the whole year. You just think of a defensive player of the year, you're thinking of Draymond Green. Well, it's funny, I could see him calling like, the media members out, name by name. Face to face, like, why didn't you vote for me? Exactly, and he might very well do that, especially if he were to ever meet me for some reason, because <laughs> I don't have him as my defensive player of the year. I also have Rudy Gobert, and if you heard me talk about the All-NBA First Team, you should already know why I have Rudy Gobert as Defensive Player of the Year. The guy changes every shot around the rim. If you actually are a defensive statistics guy, he has one of the best field goal percentage against near the rim, and all of the best centers in the league, Anthony Davis, DeMarcus Cousins, Marcus Gasol, all these guys, their offensive numbers plummet when playing the Jazz, and it's because Rudy Gobert... The guy's a stud. You can't get around it. Defensive player of the year. He deserves one award. Solid argument. I don't think he's going to actually get the first team in All-NBA. I think he really, really deserves defensive player of the year. But we'll see how it goes. Here we go. We'll see how it goes. Here we go. The big one. And here is the moment that everybody's been talking about. Everybody's been debating. The NBA MVP. Is it Russ? Is it James? Will LeBron win the MVP? How about Kawhi? I don't know. But that's why we're here to talk about it. And we're going to spend <laughs> the rest of this episode of the Sports Blog New York podcast, Pete Kennedy, Joe Calabrese, Phil DeMeo, breaking down the NBA MVP. Now, if you've heard us talk about it before, you might have a little bit to know about how I may feel, how Joe and Phil may feel. But things change. Rearrange, rearrange. You change for me. As, Jermaine, as J-, J. Cole has once said. But I don't know how much things are changing. So we're going to get into that. Who wants to take the reign? Who wants to go first? I got you. So, Phil, you're going to take it off? So we talked about this probably a month, month and a half ago. My pick was James Harden at the time. I mean, I expected Russell Westbrook to, wait, to break the triple-double record. So that is not a factor in my decision to now change my pick to Russell Westbrook. For me, the NBA MVP is like a time stamp in time. I'm pretty sure Bill Simmons took, said this, so my beast. They take it from him. But when you look back at the MVPs, you know, he owned the season. And Steve Nash won over Kobe Bryant that one year. Kobe scored 35 a game. I was like, one of those, like, what? How did that happen, you know? But the last three years, been two years been Curry, LeBron before that, Rose. You could probably make the case that LeBron could have won over Rose that one year. Oh, yeah. But Rose owned that season. Yeah. In my, in my opinion, Russell Westbrook has owned 2017 from the get-go. We knew he was be an animal. He was 2-1 to one the end of the year. Now he's... I guy said he's not a big fan of me. He broke the triple-double record, which is insane to begin with. Mm-hmm. He's the NBA in scoring. And he, he carried an okay Thunder team to like 46 wins, 47 wins. For me, as MVP caliber, I'm pretty sure he has the best case. My case for James Harden was he's making everybody around him better. I know it's, you're going to pick big off that, so I'll, I'll segue to that. Or James Harden, you probably sh- Are you James Harden guy? I don't know. Well, let's get to it. Dun, dun, All right. Dun. I'm going to get to this. My big problem with the MVP debate so far this season has not been Russell Westbrook. People often try to tell me, my friends who like to argue with me about this, that I hate Russell Westbrook. It's not the case. I think people who try to say Russell Westbrook are the MVP do not have all their eggs in the right basket when they make the argument. If you come at me and tell me, Russell Westbrook is the MVP no matter what. He broke the triple-double record. He averages 10 rebounds a game and 10 assists. Triple-double, 31 points. You're not convincing me of anything. I, 
I love triple doubles. I've always been a big fan. I've always appreciated the players who can do a little bit of everything. The way the hype has gone with the triple-double this season has been infuriating to me. If you're going to tell me that a point guard should win the MVP because he averages two more rebounds a game than James Harden, you do not have the right statistics in mind. Russell Westbrook's case is so strong. If he wins the MVP, I am not going to be mad. The guy deserves, you know, he deserves all the praise in the world. I think he's a cooler guy off the court than most people even probably do. But with all that being said, you Russell Westbrook fans, don't give me the good arguments. I can probably give you a better argument for Russell Westbrook, but I'm not going to do that. You don't like my history? You look back at history, Russell Westbrook going 2017? I think that's a really good point, but I think those MVPs were probably wrong here and there as well. Okay. My pick is still James Harden. I have Russell Westbrook number two, but it's James Harden. And this is a point why. Go back to the beginning of the season. What does our boy Mutz love to do with baseball teams in the beginning of the season? <laughs> Hype him up, bet on them. He likes to bet the over-unders, right? Loves over-unders. Let's go back to the beginning of the season. The over-under for the Rockets and for the Thunder. What do you think the over-under was for the Rockets this year? Actually, let's do Thunder first. What do you think the over-under was for the Thunder this year? Mid-40s. 45. 45 and a half. Pretty much right on cue, they hit the over. They're going to hit 47. Yep. What do you think the over-under was for the Rockets? 41. 41. No. So that says Was that it 41? It was 41 and a half. <laughs> I should have included the half point. I should have bought the half point both times. You should have yeah. bought the half. <laughs> so what does that tell me? That tells me that Vegas looked at the roster on the Thunder minus Kevin Durant and said, they're a playoff team no matter what. 45 wins. Chalk it up. Then they looked at the Houston Rockets and said, wow, Eric Gordon's injury prone. Who knows what he's going to be. They have uh, James Harden moving to point guard. Oh, my God, what's going to happen with that? He hasn't passed the ball that much. He hasn't played defense in a couple years. Ryan Anderson, he can shoot, but what the hell else can he do? 41 should be about right. Maybe they're 500. And they have far exceeded that. 54 wins. Everyone tries to make the argument that the Rockets have this way more talented team than the Thunder. Let's think about that a little bit further. Who's a better center, Clint Capella or Steven Adams? Adams. Who would Steven you rather? Who Steven would you rather Adams. have on your team right Steven now? Steven Adams. Steven Adams. Who would you rather have as a backup center? Enos Cantor or Ochefu on <laughs> the Rockets? They have Nene too. And Nene. Oh, true. Yeah, don't don't forget about Nene. But even still, Nene or Enos Cantor Nene. at this point of their careers, who would right. you rather have? Yeah, right. That's maybe a wash. Still, chalk it up to be a wash. Andre Roberson. I heard multiple people say he should be on the old defensive team this year. Okay. Not a bad player. I'll put Victor Oladipo up and Eric Gordon against each other every any day of the week. Completely fair matchup. Eric Gordon's a better shooter. Victor Oladipo is better at everything else. Yep. Where is the big difference in these teams? In my opinion, they're pretty similar. I think your whole case right now is for D'Antoni and not Harden. Well, not well. D'Antoni made the move of putting James point guard, right? James Harden. The point I mean, guard. D'Antoni made everybody better. Necessarily made everybody better, which is a. But James Harden is a huge, obviously huge part of that. He, for me, your whole he case, is the part of it. Your whole case is uh, like a D'Antoni campaign speech, not a Harden campaign speech. Right. Your biggest argument is that D'Antoni was, had, like, he was hindsight 2020 guy. He was able to see the future and say, wow, in 2016-17, James Harden should be a point guard because it'll give me an advantage over... That's why I have them both picked to win their respective awards. He leads the league in assists by over one. Do you think Harden is more of a product of D'Antoni? Or do you think D'Antoni's success this season is more a product of Harden's easy transition to... I mean, he's, he's essentially a combo guard now, but he's played point guard more. You can believe this if you want, and I promise that I'm not lying here. When James Harden was still on the Thunder, and it was Russ, KD, and James Harden on the team... And they were in the finals against the Heat. I swear my statement was James Harden is the best point guard on this team. He has been a great passer his entire career. He just wasn't a very willing passer. He was slinging great assists when he chose to pass. Now he said, I'm accepting this role that my coach is challenging me with. And I'm going to lead the league in assists. And I'm going to score 29 points a game. So Steve Nash won the award when he went 18-14. and 14. All James Harden did was score... 11 more points a game, and average 11 assists. Well, he's already, he was already a good scorer. 
Yes. I think I think more the more indicative stuff is that he was able able to average eleven assists. Yes, and also efficiency is a stat that people throw around over there. And if you look on ESPN.com, you go to stats, you see efficiency. Russell Westbrook's number one. It's a really flawed stat. It doesn't account uh, account for shooting percentages. It accounts for cumulative stats. And in cumulative stats, Russell Westbrook obviously wins that argument. Right. But my argument goes to the wins. It goes to the team wins. And when you put the, the best player up against each other and you say how did their teams play off of, of their performances, I'm giving the edge to James Harden. And it's not an easy argument. It's an argument that's obviously been happening for a long time. But you're looking at a guy in Eric Gordon and Ryan Anderson and Nene and Clint Capella who have now become very quality players in the NBA and have become their own players in the NBA. That's the biggest thing for me. Russell Westbrook may get the same amount of assists to Steven Adams as James Harden does to Clint Capella. But Clint Capella is not the player that Steven Adams is, in my opinion. Right. It's a fair point that Harden made all these guys better. And he made these guys play within a system together. And the ball moves. And also another number that I like to throw out there is hockey assist. James Harden has like 50 more hockey assists than Russell Westbrook. Secondary assists. Which means he's just moving the ball. He's playing the game. He's allowing his team to be a team. Right. For anyone who doesn't understand that at home, in hockey, you can give up to two assists on any goal. So, same idea for the NBA. Primary assists are the stats that get counted, but now that we're gearing ourselves to a more statistical-friendly analysis of all sports in general, uh, Harden is one of the better players in the NBA in regard to secondary assists. Yes. And this is another thing that I like to bring up when I'm making this argument. People love the cumulative stats of the triple-double. I already got into that. Russell Westbrook, this season, has taken more than 300 shots than the next person in the league. That's a lot of shots to take more than anybody else. He's a volume player. He is a volume player, true and true. Now now I'm going to open this to you. Don't you think his team as a whole can find more success if he reeled back the jump shots a little bit and allowed Victor Oladipo to be a little bit more of a creator or take a couple more shots, or if he allowed you know just some, any more of other of his of his teammates to become a little more comfortable playing in an offensive team ball movement, the whole nine. Billy Donovan has that motion system that everyone likes to talk about, and it gets a little taken away because he's playing iso ball so much. Do you think there's any space for more team success if he reels back a little bit and becomes more efficient? <coughs> See, I don't know about this. I mean, uh, yes and no. I think it's a double-edged sword. I think they would win just as many games. It would it would essentially be a wash. You would be losing a couple of those late game Russell Westbrook buzzer, buzzer beaters or sh- gig, you know go ahead shots in the final ten seconds of games. Speaking of which, he leads the NBA in that category. He's got four of them this season. So, you know, the the devil's advocate response to that is? What? The Thunder were in way more close games this year than the right. Rockets were. Right. And they were down 15 way more often than the Rockets were. And Russell Westbrook put on spectacular performances and brought the and team back. And he was able to brought the team back. win those close games. Can I bring this back full circle? Yeah, go ahead. Maybe because the players you named before, maybe the Thunder are obviously the worst team in the Rockets. You said you you mentioned before how the Rockets are the better players. I mean, the Thunder are the better players head to head. No, I think it's maybe, just I think it's more it's I think it's just more even than people maybe make it seem. Okay. Right? Maybe it's not as concrete. I mean, and I said three hundred more shots. All right, so Russell Westbrook has nine nineteen thousand. No, sorry, nineteen thousand one thousand nine hundred and thirty one shots. In second place is Demar Derozan with one thousand five hundred and forty five shots. Wow. That is a huge difference in shots. It's crazy. He averages 24 shots a game. The next highest is DeMar with 20.9. Not even 21. That's a lot. It's a lot of damn shots. But, but like, you expected that from the beginning. That's how he plays. Right. He played, that with, he played like that with Durant. Exactly, which is why Durant wanted to leave. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to be there anymore. I just think my, my whole pitch is we look back 10 years from now. Russell Westbrook, forty. I know. I know. I hate the triple double thing, but like, it's just crazy that he did it. He did it with the Thunder winning. Now he's he's hitting buzzer beaters. He has them the forty six wins, forty seven wins. The man should be the MVP of the league. 
So history <laughs> automatically means most valuable. He broke history. Uh, no, so I, he's most valuable player. But he like he has the stats to back it up as well. Like, I think history, in addition, like, Kobe only won MVP. Yeah. I think in addition to the stats, he has the moments, the plays, in the late close games. Because if he doesn't accumulate a couple of those, all of a sudden now they're a they're a forty two or forty three win team, and I think if that happens, then it's it's an easier case for anybody else. But I think because they won those extra games, and I believe because not only did he make history. But he had those late game moments, and unfortunately, like what Phil said before, those aren't like enshrined in people's minds. Like that—that's what people are going to remember. Are people going to remember the thirty-five point triple doubles that Harden had sporad- like sporadically throughout the course of the season? He did. Have they- tw- he also had twenty-one triple doubles himself, which in yeah. any other year is like it's ridiculous. Amazing. <laughs> ridiculously amazing. Are you going to remember the thirty-five point James Harden triple double? Or are you going to remember the 50-point triple-double from the other night in the game that broke Oscar Robertson's record where he had the game-winning three at the horn to eliminate the Nuggets from the postseason? That was crazy. Right. <laughs> I, I, I don't like the Phil argument, but unfortunately for the casual viewer, the casual fan, they remember the, 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 the tiny moments like that over the course of the season more so than they remember like Harden – Lifting up his players and being collectively consistently and a little bit better. Yeah. Oh, did I just get I, that out of you? I don't know if I don't know if he was consistently better. I think it's a wash. It is a wash. I think. Let's be. Real. I think D'Antoni's system is it lends itself to smaller perimeter-oriented players. So I think the opportunities for a guy like James Harden to accumulate assists, secondary assists, and in general, the floor spacing is better. So I think on on a whole, Harden has not only been a more a slightly more efficient shooter. I don't I don't know their shooting percentages off the top. Of He's my head. I'm slightly sorry. more efficient. But He's slightly more efficient. Takes, I got that right. Yeah. Okay. He, he also takes a lot less shots. Right. He takes a lot less shots. But I think because of the floor spacing and the fact that Houston plays Eric Gordon, Patrick Beverly, Trevor Reza, uh. Now they've got Lou Williams at the deadline from the Lakers. All right. these guys are guards. Some of them are guard forward tweeners. I mean, Ariza is a true forward, but they're all perimeter players. They all play on the outside. They all space the floor, and they all have the opportunity to shoot efficient shots, whereas I think Westbrook doesn't really have that luxury. The, Sometimes shoot, the shooting is definitely fair. It's. I mean, he takes more shots, but then again, he also... I would... If you threw up... Ten of the hardest shots that Harden and Westbrook have made this season. I would be willing to bet that Westbrook has made harder shots much more consistently and turned water into, you know, into wine. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm going to say this. I think Russell will win the MVP. If I had a vote, which I don't, I would put Harden then Westbrook. I actually picked Westbrook in the preseason. Nice. And then I switched it. On the last podcast we did, because I believed it, I stuck to my conviction. I didn't think he was going to break the record, and but the way he broke the record down the stretch and just some of the things he did. I mean, we were here when he had a fifty-point game against the Blazers. Like I mentioned, the fifty-point game that he had against the Nuggets the other night. Like it's just some of the, the some of the the ways how he did it were just too absurd. And you know, if you think about their actual styles of plays and like the way they mo- physically move on the court. Russell is aggressive, assertive, powerful, explosive. What is James Harden? Elusive, shifty, crafty, more touch. So they are different stylistically. But I'm going to shout out both of those guys right now. All this BS talk that I didn't want to hear about all season long about LeBron sitting out a game or Curry sitting out a game or um, a national TV game, the Spurs and the Warriors all rested or the Cavs all rested. I hated that argument. So let's shout out Russell Westbrook and James Harden, who are both going to be playing all games this year. All Both have over 80 games played this year. I'm pretty sure they're both going to end up with 82, unless they maybe sit out the last game. But you know what we haven't mentioned yet? These two guys are facing off in the first round. <laughs> how, it gets better. How amazing would it have been if even 
in the middle of that series, right before that series, the MVP is awarded. They announce the MVP because <laughs> otherwise, that other guy is gonna be a man on a goddamn mission. See, here's what I believe. I believe that the regular season awards should all be announced after the regular season ends. And I believe this for all major pro sports, and I don't know why it doesn't happen. I disagree. In other sports, you have these elaborate award shows. You have these 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 network specials. Like on MLB Network, they have a special. The NHL voting, has the, an award the voting, show. Talking about the voting or the announcement? I'm talking all the awards should be announced after the regular okay, season. I have no problem with that. But because even the voting. The voting is... No, too- no, 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 no. I would have the voting right after the season, and I would have okay. all the awards announced days after, before the postseason. Kevin starts. O'Connor on The Ringer said today on the Ringer NBA show... The voting is due this Friday. Right. And they're not going to tell us for another month and a half. Which makes absolutely no sense to me. It makes none whatsoever. Which is a new thing. Why wait? Why wait? Because by the time – and this happens in every single sport and I think you guys are going to agree with me. By the time they announce the MVP selections in baseball, Cy Young, in hockey, you know, whether it be like the Art – not the Art Ross. um, You know, like the Norris Trophy for defensemen. By the time all these awards are announced, it's almost like they're obsolete because now we have a postseason sample size to look back on and say, like, oh, this player, not only was he good during the regular season, oh, he was good in the playoffs too. And I think the, 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 the year that I turned on this was the year that Dirk won the MVP in 2007 when the Warriors shocked them and eliminated them in the first round. Because what happened was the Mavericks lost – and in the very next series, right after the Mavericks got eliminated, it was announced that Dirk had won the MVP. And not, I mean, obviously people back then des- were very happy and Dirk was a willing, deserving, most valuable player. But there were people out there who looked back on that Dallas series and they said, how could Dirk be the MVP if his team didn't advance in the playoffs? And I think you should look at the regular season and the postseason as two entirely different animals. So it doesn't make any sense from from my perspective, to announce the awards later on because now you're going to be unfairly comparing other players to other players and you're going to be unfairly making arguments that I don't think necessarily make sense. Right. I tend to agree. And I I think it's mostly for basketball fans. It's just sad because (laughs) it would have been so legendary. No matter who won, no matter who you wanted to win, if you're a fan of basketball and they announced that during the first round and it's either Russ or it's either James Harden, the other guy, you know this means something to them. They're still friendly, not like KD and Russ. James Harden and Russell Westbrook are still friendly-ish, but they ain't going to be friends in round number one of the NBA playoffs. Nope. To, to wrap this up, to wrap you off topic, I am sick of seeing Tony Romo with the Mavericks. Like, <laughs> NBA 2K18 cover, like, it's not funny. Like, the, the guy has a stroke, though. He's shooting warm-ups. I can shoot a warm-up jump shot, like... Calm down. If the hype train, the social media, well, of course, our, our favorite accounts are, oh, he's, a, he's, a, he's fire. He should join the team. Shut up. Just like, shut up. up. Just okay. shut, shut your mouth. I feel like I agree with you, but. <laughs> That's be a segment. Just shut up. This, just shut up. <laughs> this is a <laughs> topic that I can rant about for another hour. Tim okay. Tebow. I hate Tony Romo. So much about he's, it. Not Tony go Romo. On a, go in a ditch and just. <laughs> get, out of, get out of my social media feed. I'm sick of you. I'm talking about the actual whole social media concept, not Tony Romo. I don't. Yeah, we we not mad about we him. Go on hours for that. Oh, it's frustrating, man. How about the uh, the rapper Quavo? Yeah, Chris he, Brown. He drew like he drew um a football to like baseball hoop and like Leisure Report had him as a should the Browns take the number one pick? Like sh- sh- shut up. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great idea. It's a format. Um, Leonard, I'm getting off topic, but like today the, the Leonard Fournette might go to the Browns thing. It's crazy. We'll that That's crazy. That's crazy stuff. So this is the NBA, the NBA uh, award show, sports blog, New York podcast. Peter Kennedy, Joe Calabrese, Phil DeMeo. We had a lot of fun. I mean, I know I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun. Yeah, we knew this. coming in. It would be a good one. I've been looking forward to this. I think the MVP thing is just super interesting this year. I'm looking real quick again before we actually say goodbye. We have the Thunder guys. I'm looking at their three-point numbers. That is the big, big difference in these two teams. Other than Russell Westbrook, there's no one on the Thunder who makes more than two threes a game. Victor Oladipo makes about two threes a game. You know, Alex Abrinas makes one and a half, but, you know, he's Alex Abrinas. He's not that great of a player. Ryan Anderson, Eric Gordon, Lou Williams, James Harden, Trevor Ariza. They got they got guys who can shoot the ball, and I think that's a, a huge thing 
um, with team success. And, you know, say what you want about the MVP race. Maybe that aspect should have been taken into consideration by me more when I'm picking James Harden. So this is not perfect. And no matter who wins this award, there will be a lot of people who are upset no matter what. But I will say this, and I think you guys will agree with me. If James Harden wins, the Russell Westbrook Twitter fans are going to be freaking out. I think NBA fans in general. Just everyone. I, mean, I don't want to, I don't want to blank an NBA like fan. Us. Because I think like, there's like, a lot of people who do think Harden should win. There's more people than you think. I agree. Um, I was one of them. Exactly. You were one of them. But the Russ fans are definitely stronger on Twitter. Yeah. It's bro- everyone's saying it's Brody season. And I love Brody season. Yeah. Brody. But they will freak out if Russ doesn't win MVP. Uh, but that's pretty much all we have for today. Any closing statements out of you guys? I just think, even with the NBA teams and everything, it's a time stamp in basketball history. And these guys, all of them, Harden, Westbrook, Kawhi, LeBron, Davis, Giannis, um, who defense player Kawhi again, like Gobert, these guys should be recognized for what they did this season. In one form or another, these are the best players in the league this season. They should all be awarded accordingly. And I think they will. Joe, how about you? Closing statement? And then Tony. <laughs> and then Tony. <laughs> uh, this was a lot of fun. I'm glad we did the MVP last. And, I mean, I, I'm very knowledgeable in basketball, but over the last few years, I haven't watched as much of it as I usually do. And I, I'm very happy that I have two guys next to me who really know what the heck they're talking about, who I can really play off of. So I thank you guys. I appreciate it. Of course. I thank you. Appreciate that. I watch, I watch too much basketball, some would say. Yeah. But thank you. A little bit of a like, uh, basketball stats knob. Yeah, I, I, a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> Bring up the thunder, who makes three-pointers. Like, wow. Yeah, well, it's important. It all, it, all, it all comes back. It all means something. Our guy, our guy who writes for MLB.com said the NBA is on that same tick that MLB was on. They're just five to ten years late. MLB is all about sabermetrics nowadays. Basketball is just about to be the is same. Is NFL there yet? Not yet, right? No, nah, not there yet on the NFL. But uh, it's interesting stuff. So we'll see. Not the linemen, that's why. Exactly. But it's not, not so even on a time. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the show. If you did, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on iTunes and Google Play. Because this is the Sports Blog New York Podcast. I'm Peter Kennedy. I'm Joe Calabrese. I feel the man when I apologize for coughing. <laughs> we, we accept your apology, buddy. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the show. Subscribe, rate, review, Sports Blog New York Podcast. We out.